When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So what do you think? It's showtime. Welcome back to another episode of Showtime. I'm your host, Jason Madison, as always joined by my co-hosts, Bethany Anderson and Anthony Mays. What up, y'all? How y'all feeling today? What up, what up, what up? What's good? The podcast that crusades for dick equality on dick HBO. Equality. Dick That's Equality us. podcast. I want to start this week off, this pod off, by saying I'm very, very, very disappointed in Maze. And he doesn't oh. even know why. Oh, I think I know. Oh. Do you know? Because I reverse jinxed you into liking this episode of Atlanta. Is that what you're talking about? It wasn't a reverse jinx. I think or was were, it? I think you were sincere when you said that. Because, yeah. I said it was possible. I said it was possible. That's what I said. <laughs> what, what? So tell me, in your mind, what about this episode you thought I would not like? Uh, I think that it got a little bogged down, I would say. It has been, you know, a few days since I watched it. You just watched it. So I'm relying on you to bring the fresh takes <laughs> from right. Atlanta. But yeah. I feel like... It started very strong, and we'll get to it. But then I feel like it got a little bit in the weeds. And then, you know, marinating in some of our Donald Glover conversation and all that. I don't know. I'm just, I'm giving it time. I'm giving it space. That's all. You're sitting with it? Yeah, I'm sitting with it. Those, are, those are very vague descriptions. I don't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't really give you, because I'm looking, because I'm looking for what you saw on the screen that made you think, oh, Jason is not going to fuck with this, or this is kind of off, like, you know, I don't know, that's what I was looking for, maybe you saw something in particular in the episode that made you think, he's not going to fuck with this, um, but maybe not, so Anyway, obviously, I did not dislike the episode. I very much liked the episode. It was dope. It was one of the show's best episodes. Definitely the best one of this season, by far. Mm. By far. I mean, it actually gets back to what the show was about for the first time in the whole season. The show is about Paperboy rapping, being on tour, earning his manager. Darius is their homie that's just hanging around. And that's what this episode was about. It was the first episode that was about that. And they did it in a dope way. Everything was very realistic. It was funny. It was entertaining. It was interesting. Like, And they didn't disrespect black women. They didn't disrespect black <laughs> women. They had no reason to go there. They didn't go there. They And they kept it real, like, on some real nigga shit. And it was also, like, very intelligent. It wasn't, you know... Um, wow. And, okay. and they also like made the element of them being in Europe make sense for the show. You know, it wasn't just like, oh, we're just, we don't want to shoot in Atlanta anymore. 
it was like, oh no, there's actually a dope part of this storyline that makes everything connected. So yeah, I, I really enjoyed the episode. Shout out to Socks. Fuck Socks, dude. <laughs> what do you mean shout out to Socks? Fuck, fuck that him. dude. He's been with the crew for six days. He's already doing this kind of fuck shit. Get him out of here. Yo. Oh uh, man, he made the episode so entertaining. Like, yes, fuck him what? for what he did. I but mean, as yeah, a <laughs> because he's the he, he's the engine that drove the plot. Yeah, he's the deuce ex machina of the of the episode. And everything he does in the episode is hilarious or fucking zany or, you know what I'm saying? Like, all his moments were fucking great. I don't, like, I'm sorry. I'm a, I'm a Sox apologist right now. Wow. That's, wow. That's not what I was expecting, B. I don't know. Not at all. Not at all. Yo, Sox is just like, he's chaotic. I, I have so many questions about what the point of having this guy on this show. I'm sure it's going to be answered at some point, but it's like right now, uh, he's so annoying. But he, like, if you've ever been on tour, this is exactly what it's like. And this I is have exactly been on tour. <laughs> this is exactly what it's like. There is that random, most of the time, white guy. It could be somebody. It doesn't have to be white, but most of the time. That it's okay, Jason. Is <laughs> <laughs> on some fuck shit, but he's over chopping, overdoing too much, trying to be in with the crew, like you know what I'm saying? And like sometimes it's cool, sometimes it's really annoying, sometimes he's doing some weird sneaky secretive shit. Like, you don't know what the fuck is going on. But that's a real motherfucker. Like everybody who's been on tour in that industry knows how that is. And then even how Paperboy is is trying to be like you know, the super cool rapper, and then, you know, he's trying to keep it cool with the guy who he thinks stole his phone, but he wants to fuck him up, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, that whole shit, and then even, like, Donald Glover, like, he played a good version of the manager as well, like, the guy comes running on stage, he's like, get the fuck off the stage, like, that no, shit I happens. Loved, <laughs> I loved the chemistry between Paperboy and Earn towards the beginning of the episode when Ern is just way ahead of him, you know? Yeah. Like, yeah. I got your towel, your ginger beer's on stage. Like, you, you're dehydrated. You you said <laughs> you're musty. That means you aren't drinking enough water. Like, yeah. Yeah. you should drink more water, by the way. <laughs> Paper Boy's like, you all right, bro? Like, we haven't actually <laughs> talked. Yeah. Which is great, because that's what happens. Like, if you have that's that little downtime, and it could be, like, six weeks in the tour, and then you have that one little 10-minute period where you... You know, the artist might actually check on you and be like, yo, what's up, man? How you doing? Everything yeah. cool? Like, you know, it's a real last moment. That situation reminded me being on tour with Rick Ross and I can see that he's like getting sick. So instead of having Bel Air or some bamboo sitting on the DJ booth, you know, for him to drink while he's while he's rapping or whatever, I will have a cup of hot tea. Mm -hmm. Or I'm telling them to, hey, cut the cryo. He doesn't like cryo. It aggravates his vocal cords. Like, just trying to be one step ahead. And he will ask for it, but I already have it taken care of. And it's like, oh, oh, okay, you got it. But then yeah. it's kind of like, okay, well, she's she's making sure I'm straight. But, like, how is she doing? Yeah. Like, taking care of the artist is is different. It's like that that you're a piece of the puzzle that is sometimes overlooked until you're nearing the end of the puzzle. Right. And, yeah, I... I don't know. It was every part of this episode I really enjoyed and I fucked with. The weird ass guy that, 
you know, I mean, and they, and they sold me on that. Like, that was another thing. Like, I fully believe that this guy has stolen the phone. I mean, part of it is because they add some unexplainable, you know, right. details to he the... He knew way <laughs> too much. He yeah. knew the unreleased tracks. He knew the birth, same birthday. He knew all this stuff. And, yes, yeah, so that, that was... That was the thing, right? Like, they really took us down the road with that. And then Sox, I guess in his delusional way of covering his own ass, is way too aggressive with this dude <laughs> to the point where he almost drops the N-word. <laughs> and, come, like, that, that, and, then I, and then at the end when he throws the phone in the trash, yeah. I honestly, just like B said, like, is he just an agent of chaos? Like, what was the point of that? Was he just in too deep to give it back? Yeah, I think that's exactly what it was. He was too, he was in too deep to give it back, and he had kind of realized, you know, where he was in the situation. And he was like, "Fuck, I can't just say I, we found it somewhere." So now I just gotta throw this shit away and move on. Fuck it. All of this is really weird. I feel like Socks knew this guy, this kid. Like, mm -hmm. you know, I feel like maybe he knew him as like a talented artist and he wanted to somehow get on with Paperboy, perform for Paperboy, get his attention in some way that it was like, okay, well, I'll take his phone so we have to stay here. Right. You know, and then um, he really wanted to get into this fake interrogation room <laughs> mm -hmm. and he was really pressed to get in there. And when they told him to stay out in the hallway, he was just so hot so it's like let me continue to make such a huge deal about this whole situation to distract them and i don't know it's like at that point he was like well the only thing i can do is just throw this phone away at this point like maybe maybe he was trying to plan it on him and like pretend to pull it off him or something i don't know right yeah I, I could see that i yeah. think that could have been a part of it and i think also like people like that the way i was thinking about it was they both really liked paperboy right and i because right. we were also talking about like the whole racial dynamic and what I thought about at the end of the episode when I was thinking about it like throughout it was like, you know, how these white guys want to get into black culture and be a part of everything they're doing and shit. And like that was Sock's version of what the other weirdo white dude was doing of like he wanted to create because sometimes people do this. It could be with like drugs or, you know, what I'm saying other activities where they want to yeah. create a scenario where it's some rah-rah shit or it's a memory. Like, remember that one time? Like, you know, and they have this twisted thing in their mind. And then, you know, they want to be the hero of the situation. And now we're best friends and blah, blah, blah. You know, like, they have yeah. this whole thing thought out in their head. And, you know what I'm saying? And these guys are just like, what the fuck is going, like, you know? And so he's smoking the blunt, like, at the end, like, just thinking about some serious shit in life. And th these motherfuckers is just want to be a part of anything they got going and they're fucking up their whole life to do it. Like from the moment we were introduced to socks, he came on, he made this huge deal between Darius and the Asian chick and just blew up the whole room and made this, this whole group of people turn on her. How did he end up in car service? Like, I just don't understand this guy at all. And why is he coming in and just disrupting everything? But at the same time, it's like, 
I forgot why I was about to go with that. I had a whole, <laughs> I had a whole thing. It's, but it's a lot. It's a lot of people in the music industry like that, and I feel like the music industry is filled with random motherfuckers who become people's friends from hanging out one night, and then you start seeing them every day and shit, and people be acting like they know them. It's like you don't really yeah. know this motherfucker. I think, oh, so- I think what's waiting to happen is they're gonna be like, "So who invited Socks?" Yeah, it's gonna take another couple weeks or something like that before they realize that no one invited him. He just showed up. Yeah. I'm just trying to figure out why they were just like, oh, you don't know your nephew. You don't know how old he is. You don't know anything about him. But you guys don't know socks <laughs> like you just met him oh, a few days ago. So what are we doing? Why are you so pressed about? That's not family, B. You the know? white That's Liam Neeson. <laughs> white Liam Neeson himself. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I got to I got to shout out a couple favorite moments. Darius dancing backstage. <laughs> Yes. yes, that's what I'm saying, bro. This oh, episode yeah. had love it. great moment. I was busting up. He was like with the little gun. He was like, it all. <laughs> yeah, he was getting up. And his fit was cold, too. That little Gucci that sweater Gucci or whatever. Sweater. He, yeah, yeah, it was nice. Yeah, he was, the, he was drippy. The sick kid who has a quote unquote cancer attack. And they're just like, fuck that. What the fuck is a cancer attack? Like, let's go get his ass right now. And then Erd goes out of the lobby. The kid is being wheeled out by paramedics. And he's like, no. Anything for Paperboy. What is it? And then the, the half-assed pat down of the legs where, like, he kind of looks. And he's like, okay, never mind. And they start bowing. Bro, that was hilarious. <laughs> that was hilarious. Because oh the kid was like in his little Eastern European, like anything for Paperboy. Yep. And he bats him down He's, like he on a like stretcher. Oliver Twist, please, sir. Can I have some more? <laughs> and then I got to say, you know, I'm, I'm bummed out. I'm bummed out we didn't follow Darius's blueprint. Oh, right, right, yeah, yeah. And, and I want to go on that adventure. Like, We're not going. He's like, I know. <laughs> He's so sad, but he yeah. knows what's happening. Devastated but cop. That threw me on a loop, though, because I was like, he's talking about how it's haunted and shit, and, you know, all, the Darius tangent storyline that obviously didn't happen. But so I'm wondering, like, is this fucking kid that's playing the guitar real? Like, what is even happening? Right. Is he a ghost? I, it, and then they kind of left it. They, he plays that weird song. That was so weird. And then that was it. You know, like it, it wasn't wasn't very climactic. So that that's kind of where I thought I might lose you, Jay. Is is around there? But I'm glad that you saw all of the amazing things this episode had to offer. Well, it had a lot of comedy. The story was entertaining throughout. Um, and then I felt the soul of the story. Um, come out because you know some of my criticism of the show is also like the how I don't really believe that uh, Brian Tyree Henry is a rapper you know he does like he just kind of like walks around or whatever so they had him get on stage um, and then they start to sort of like make that more of the story when he's talking to the weird nephew um, through marriage about (laughs) Uh, his writer's block, basically. And I thought that that was a dope part of the episode because, you know, you couldn't really tell, like, was he being earnest? Was was he lying to him to try to manipulate him? No, Donald Glover plays earnest. <laughs> Good point. I almost forgot that. <laughs> He's talking to him 
and he's saying basically he wasn't able to write for the last seven months and you know he saying that he had this voice in his head that was like a kid and it took him back and you know singing the melody and yeah somebody who's written the song like I could definitely empathize with that whole process and I was like yeah that's interesting you know that is really how it is sometimes um you feel a, a inspiration in in that sort of form and for him to like describe it accurately I thought was really dope and then at the end you know when he's kind of just again smoking the blunt looking off um in the tour bus it seems like he's kind of thinking back on that moment or at least that's how it felt to me you know like if that moment was really real or just you know where he is in his love or you know dislike of being a rapper like he basically was saying like yeah I just do this shit like it wasn't no oh, I always wanted to be a rapper so I just think that whole like psychology of it which is kind of what why I originally came to the story why I came to the show was it was a story about this rapper up and coming and his cousin and their journey oh man I remember those days when we thought Atlanta was just gonna be black entourage <laughs> What a right. naive, <laughs> naive time that was. How young yeah. we all were, you know, six yeah. years ago. Pre-COVID, yeah, it was a whole world away. It's a whole different thing. It was before oh. the blip. Turns out, it's the Black Sopranos, at least according to Donald Glover. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I really thoroughly enjoyed the Atlanta episode. I thought it was the best one of the season. I hope they do more episodes like that, but I know they won't. But I will say this: with socks on here. It's also continuing the storyline that white allies can be just as dangerous as white supremacists. Mm -hmm. You can have someone come in and fuck up your whole shit when you think and they're like really on your side. Especially well, if he's white. <laughs> well, that's that's kind of like the thesis of the show. I feel like is that yeah. like white people be on bullshit, and niggas is trying to just do their shit and make that's their true. way in the world. And that I think true. that's the other like reason why I like this episode because it's the micro and macro lesson of what I think the show is about is that niggas are trying to do their shit and make their way in the world and kind of do you know be good for better or worse and help each other out and it's a bunch of random white dudes out here doing random fuck shit fucking it all up for everybody else yeah also we got a quick check-in with Van via text we got Earn yeah. deleting the WTF which I like to you know just kind of couch that was dope and then yeah. just, a, just a quick thumbs up Thumbs up emoji. So, you know what that means, folks? Van episode. Van hey. episode's coming. What's Van up to? Can't wait. Hey, is the thumbs up more like a middle finger than a middle finger? Oh. You know what? Ooh, I know man. a lot of people who are bothered by a thumbs up. It's yeah. like, yo, I, you know, and I and she sent me a thumbs up like, what the fuck so was that? And I'm like, disrespectful. It's it's up? mad disrespectful, yo, because like my dad sent me a thumbs up and I realized later, like we got into an argument. He was mad when he sent that thumbs up to me. Uh. So, I, I, so, so I think the it's passive a, I, aggressive. aggressive thumbs yeah. up. I think it's just a passive aggressive tool for people to use. Like why else would you send somebody a thumbs up emoji? It's extremely passive aggressive. Look, I was, I was at this event that I was having for my swimsuit line, bikini honey. And one of my friends was like, Hey, I'll be there in about like 10, 20 minutes. And I sent a thumbs up. And he was like, LOL, the thumbs up though? And I was like, what the fuck? What am I supposed to hard it? Like, exclamation point? Yo. Ha ha, like what? 
The thumbs up is in the eye of the receiver. B, it's all about how you receive that thumbs up. You know, if you're not, if you're feeling a type of way, then <laughs> the thumbs up can mean whatever you want it to mean. It's like fuck you. You're on your way. Or like, 10, ooh, a thumbs up. Like she must really like me. Thumbs <laughs> up. Oh, Jason, huh. I got a DM. Can I read uh, this DM about uh, last episode? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not gonna say I'm not gonna say who it's from, but he said Jason was mad militant in the last pod. I thought Atlanta's take on reparations was genius. <laughs> it called you militant, dog. <laughs> I mean, you know, to each his own. <laughs> I didn't think I was I was you know the uh, the Kareem of the show, but <laughs> maybe, maybe that's that's my role. <laughs> Yeah, come in with the fist. Look, you got to get the, the kufi. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the, the uh, kufi, I need a dashiki the, so I can be like Nancy Pelosi on one knee. The whole thing. The whole thing. Right. <laughs> but speaking yeah. of Kareem. Yeah. Boom. That's the segue. <laughs> hey. It is. You know, let's get to a winning time. The best show on TV right now. Ooh. Um, interesting. Interesting. Is it? Interesting. Some people mo- <laughs> disagree. <laughs> we're back to differ. We, there are a few legendary Lakers that were back to differ. <laughs> oh man. Oh. Well, yeah. at least at least it sounded like the real Kareem actually watched one episode because yeah. that was that seemed to be what most of his review on his Substack was from was from the pilot. I don't think he got. I definitely don't think he got to the episode about him because I think that was you know that would have done. Because his main thing was like, oh, they just turned me into a grumpy guy who tells kids to fuck off. And it's like, uh, I don't know. <laughs> They're giving you a lot more depth than you're giving them credit for. Right. But yeah, man, I mean, do you want to go in order? Or you want to jump right into uh, some classic moments? Yeah, let's jump right in. What you got? Because I loved the sit down with Kareem and Papa Magic. Yeah, Irvin. Irvin Senior. Yeah, right. just call me Irvin. At, at Irvin, yeah, Irvin and Kareem on a first name basis at Christmas in Lansing. It's fantastic stuff. They talked about being men and how it's annoying to have just this endlessly happy, <laughs> exuberant guy in their life. <laughs> Neither yeah. of them understand it. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, we got a, a, a reference to Billie Holiday, Strange Fruit. Yes. Food. Yes. Mm-hmm. That was um, fantastic as well. And then just to hammer that home, we got a couple cutaways of some lynched bodies in case you yeah. didn't pick up on yeah. that yeah. gotta get yeah. it yeah no it got real heavy we went from magic smiling face uh sitting there waiting for cookie to show up to uh some some hung black people from mississippi in the 30s i would assume or sometime around then so yeah this the show the the cutaways from the show <laughs> are always very interesting and they jump out at you Mm-hmm. Yeah. jump cuts but yeah i mean it was good to see kareem start to re- to relate to somebody obviously he had that small scene with spencer haywood um but yeah he was on his third plate in the johnson house and uh <laughs> i love this it. It like yo you want to help yourself to some seconds he's like these are thirds <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's a very robotic <laughs> <laughs> yeah but yeah he he had a a take that he wanted to get off <laughs> about magic and his dad was sitting right there and, you know, they kind of bonded over that. And Kareem also is letting him know he fucks with magic, you know, which was dope to see him express that to somebody. You know, he's basically saying after the dad, 
you know, Irvin calls him the greatest center of all time, and he's happy that Kareem is passing the, getting the uh, ball passed to him by Magic. He said, yeah, your son's not so bad himself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Game yeah. recognized game. Mm-hmm. <laughs> also wanted to shout out, we haven't really talked too much about Mama Magic, but Le- Lisa Gay Hamilton plays Mama Magic, and she also had a role on The Dropout, which was the Hulu show about Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos. She played the editor of the, I believe, Forbes that ended up writing the article that kind of took him down. But she had this amazing monologue about spear fishing and standing completely still in a stream until the fish swim around you and that's when you strike. And just I love when an actor or an actress has two big shows or two movies out at the same time and you really get to see them you know, give a little range. And so sh- to see her kind of be this smug <laughs> elitist liberal editor and then also be kind of the conservative like religious very fierce and like proud mama of magic johnson it's great to see that's dope i have to check out that other show it was good man i enjoyed it it was uh it was a good run amanda Seyfried played elizabeth holmes and did a good job but back to uh, the lakers we got so much to get into oh my cookie's name is arletha yeah, yeah, man. Erletha and Irvin, you know, they just that's how they drew it up. I would go by Cookie as well. Damn. But yeah. Cookie and Magic, you know, it couldn't yeah. be further from their actual actual names. Right. right. And is uh, Pat Patricia? Well, no, that's what Chick Hearn calls mm, Pat yeah. Riley because, yeah. you know, he Demeaning. you know insinuated that he was gay. Yeah. Yeah, well, it was just funny. Those those two names got uttered in the episode, and I, I made note of it. <laughs> it was just like, and he called him Patricia. That was funny. Yeah. Yeah, Pat, Pat's slowly starting to evolve here because we've got... Oh, I love it. We've got a very overmatched, very, very overmatched Jason Siegel as Paul Westhead. It is not going well for him. It's been six weeks. They're losing. He's falling apart on the sidelines. Magic and Norm are just like we're gonna call the plays. Yeah. <laughs> Screw this guy. And Landsberger, get in. Landsberger, my guy Landsberger had another fire line. He did. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's my new favorite thing is is the Landsberger the one Landsberger line in each episode. Got to represent, but yeah. But yeah, Pat. Pat, while announcing because he doesn't do too much talking, has enough time to get a message to Paul. That he's out of timeouts, which leads to him telling Michael Cooper to foul out (laughs) and then trying to put in a dude who's in the locker room, which is pretty much the triple crown of bad coaching right there. Like, I don't know if it gets any worse than that. You're overwhelmed. Desperately, he tries (laughs) to bring in Pat. He says, you know what, Pat? You should help me out, dude. You should be assistant coach. Hello, listener. Guess who's back? It's me, Anthony Mays, your favorite butcher-turned-podcast producer, and I'm here to talk to you about ButcherBox. ButcherBox is the most convenient way to get high-quality meat and seafood that you can trust delivered straight to your doorstep, free shipping, vacuum-sealed packaging. It's ready to go right then. It's ready to pop in the freezer. You get exclusive member deals and a variety of high-quality cuts at an amazing value. Going to the grocery store can be a huge pain. You're usually in a rush at an inconvenient time. 
You're waiting in line at the meat counter. You're taking a number. Maybe this place doesn't have a number. You're jostling with fellow customers. You're trying to get that ribeye that you want or that nice piece of salmon. Maybe the butcher that you're dealing with has a bad attitude or something. I don't know. That was never me. I promise. But maybe it happens. Butcher Box takes all of that out of the picture you are always prepared with meat and seafood in the freezer and you're not going to find quality for this price anywhere else other than butcher box so sign up at butcherbox.com dings d-i-n-g-s and get our special deal ButcherBox is offering our listeners a free for a year offer plus an additional $20 off. You can choose salmon, chicken breast, or steak tips free in every order for a year. Sign up today at ButcherBox.com dings and use code dings, D-I-N-G-S, to choose your free for a year offer plus get $20 off your first order. And then he wrote, his own death sentence. <laughs> Pat, Pat was low-key gassed, though. Pat was ready to get on that bench. You know, Pat had been having visions of, you know, doing something other than sitting next to Chick. Yeah. <laughs> he was tired it, of Chick putting him it, down. It did not take him. Yeah. Yeah. It didn't take him much convincing to, like, yeah, okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll see what I can do as a assistant coach. Like, right, wow. and then and then he got a whole makeover because of it. <laughs> so shout out yep. to to that. That was like I think that was probably my favorite scene in the episode. Oh, uh, I was waiting. I was like, "Yep, <laughs> go ahead. That hair's wet. That hair's <laughs> wet. Yep, yep, yep. Let's do it. Slick it back." Yeah, he had the yeah. two fingers over the lip just to see, mm-hmm. just to check it out real quick. Okay, how I look with no stash. All right, let me go ahead and bust it down. And then he just got a new confidence right after that. He started uh, talking shit to to Paul. He was um, he was on the phone with Elgin. They tried to hire Elgin Baylor as the coach. Yeah, well, shout out to Orlando Jones, Jones Elgin Orlando. Baylor, dude. Yeah. That was a funny was so little random. deep cut right there. Yeah, it was. That was fire. Yeah, they were trying to get, get Jack out of here while he was on his deathbed. So can we, <laughs> can we talk about that? Because we started the episode with Dr. Buss talking about Monopoly. Right. And yep. I like yeah. when, you know, we go to the hospital. He's trying to tie his shoe. and He can't even tie his shoe. He's super frustrated. He's throwing that shit. He's mad at his wife. He's just super frustrated. And he knows that if he doesn't get better soon, that he's going to be out of his dream job that was going so well before this terrible accident. But to have Dr. Buss come in, you know, after visiting his mom, you know, in chemo, he goes over to spend some time with with Jack and gets his ass kicked. And so, you know, not knowing how this is all going to turn out, you're just so like hopeful that Jack is going to pull through. He's going to end up, you know, rejoining the coaching staff. Yes, it seems so transactional, though, and fucked up when you think about all of the things that were going on while he was just laid up. Like, his job was basically going to be a wrap because he couldn't even do crisscross applesauce. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, you know, he was like, all right, I got to, I basically have to kick Jerry's ass at Monopoly just so I could still <laughs> buy myself a month and rehabilitate. Yeah. But at the same time, it is transactional because, I mean, everything relies on the Lakers having a great season. They pretty much have to win it all 
to pull themselves out of this terrible debt that Dr. Buss has acquired. Yeah. How do y'all feel about Monopoly? I, I love Monopoly. It's, it's, it's <laughs> actually it. my favorite game. Wow. Not my favorite. No. Yes. It's my favorite game. Other than Domino's, I would say. But it's they're like neck and neck. I feel like playing Monopoly heads up against someone would be really weird. I don't know if I've ever played a two-person Monopoly game. I think you got to have at least three, preferably four people on the board just for a little bit more of that chaos. But, yeah, you know, I, I love the debate that was sparked on Twitter and on the Internet of like, oh, well, you know, Monopoly, like there, there's real strategy to Monopoly. Like you have to do this and that. And then there's other people who are like, no, Monopoly's lame. Like it takes too long. We got to get Monopoly deal. It's all the Monopoly without the t- length of it. I'm like, eh, I don't know, man. I think Monopoly is where it's at. But. I'm going to hit you guys with some trivia real quick. You ready for oh, this? Let's get uh, it. The American version of Monopoly with like Atlantic and Boardwalk and Park Place and all that is based on the actual streets of what U.S. city? Mm. Give you the clue right there that Boardwalk. So there's a Boardwalk in it. Uh, Atlantic City? Whoop, whoop. That's wow. right, B. Hey! Nailed it. <laughs> What's the prize? <laughs> right, right. My respect. Oh, <laughs> is that the only trivia question? Yeah, I don't know. It just came up randomly because it was Monopoly related. I got, I got trivia for days, Jason. If you want to do that, but that, that might be another time. Then it's not, <laughs> not the Showtime podcast. We got too much dick equality to. <laughs> if you guys wouldn't mind and give me a second, I can show you something cool. I know uh, it's whack to have dead air on a podcast, but give me. About I got you. 22 I got seconds. You. Hey, that's Hold B's on. problem. That's not. Hmm. <laughs> oh shit! It's gonna be like a Monopoly trophy. Oh, is that a classic edition Monopoly? One of the bougie ones. He's gotta come all the way back to his uh to his mic. All right. So this is the Franklin. Mint version of Monopoly. My parents got it for me when I was like eight for Christmas. Oh, and every, wow. Everything is gold. The, the hotels. Woo! The, the little horsey. Wow. The car. Yeah, yeah. The money looks different a little bit, like the 500. Okay. So I've always like kept it with me. Shout out to uh, my boy Jerry, the top hat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Until the shoe comes in and kicks your ass. <laughs> right, right. So, yeah, I just wanted to show y'all that because I am a big fan of the game. I always got to keep that with me. Um, but, yeah, Monopoly is not really fun with two people. I, uh, I Also, I didn't learn from my mom, but my grandmother taught me all those card games, just like Jerry was saying in the beginning of the episode, like Pinochle and Gin Rummy and Tonk and Spades. And, yeah, we played a lot of board games, but Monopoly was always my favorite. And then... If it was just me and her, like I wouldn't want to play because it's like it's not really fun with two people. You need at least a third yeah. to like you know bring some excitement to the game. That's what he said. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Take a trip to Paris. Yeah. Totally. Speaking of which, that's what uh, your boy Magic was on in oh, Michigan. <laughs> wow. <laughs> he had Cookie uh, show up. 
uh, to the hotel. And he had a third you in the what? back. She <laughs> it rubbed just me. happened to be her best friend. Oops. <laughs> she rubbed me the wrong way since we were first introduced to her when Dr. Dave came and dropped off the tickets. Yeah. And I'm like, why are you all up in Cookie's business, girl? So when they were in the dorm and she was like, oh, I need a finder's fee for, you know, hooking you guys up and I need a ring just as big as yours when you guys get married. It's like, girl, please, like, relax. Like, if you hooked them up, great. Just be happy. Let let your girl be happy and enjoy whatever she has going on. Unless, like, she's being disrespected, then you kind of step in and be like, hey, you deserve better, whatever. But I just don't like what Rhonda was. I didn't like that. Yeah. Like, she's a shady, shady black girl. I don't like that. Yeah, she was a shady homegirl. Like, she's just the mm. one that'll just creep up on, you know what I'm saying? Whatever you got going. She just want that. And obviously, Magic was the man of the hour. So, you know. And Rhonda goes to the game without Cookie? Right. That was very H strange. How? She said she would, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure she said, like, if you don't go, I'll take it. So, you know, uh, she, 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 she made her intentions pretty clear. I think, I think Rhonda was just, you know, not, not holding her cards too close to the vest. But... Right. We did have Pat Riley telling, telling Magic to wrap it up, wrap it up <laughs> on the road. He was like, "Yeah, Trust we'll me. see." <laughs> I know. I'm Pat Riley. And it's funny because it, it seems like everybody already knows that Magic loves the hoes. Like, yeah, yeah, it's already out there. It's because there's too much fourth wall breaking, you know. So everybody, yeah, is putting their their business on Broadway, but. Yeah, we got the road trip. We got to hit the road. I mean, I loved I, – I know we talked about this definitely last week. I love the role that Jerry West has settled into now as just this cranky-ass advisor mm. who nobody <laughs> – like the coach doesn't want him there. The GM doesn't want him there, but he's got a direct line of the owner. He makes a fantastic Helen Keller joke earlier on in the episode, and then he bullies his way onto the plane gets a seat and goes on the road trip for some scouting, but love me some cranky Jerry West. I love it. I think my favorite part was when uh, they were at the restaurant. Yes. And um, <laughs> he kind of creeps up behind Paul. He's like, what the fuck is this guy doing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That was great. And then when Pat came up and he's like, what are you going to do? Eat my leftovers, Jerry? Like, <laughs> he was just like, get the fuck out of my seat, man. He's And then when then even Pat called him a busybody, he said, don't worry about him, man. He's just a busybody. Like, that's <laughs> and a on his way out, yeah. tells your boy to stop eating so many fucking french fries. And what did mm -hmm. he say? Yeah. Your favorite. Landsberger. That was yes. the one that I was talking about. <laughs> but I like french fries. <laughs> Landsberger line of the episode. That was the one. Yeah. Yeah, he's got some lines. He's got some good ones. Yes. Yeah, Pat kind of comes in as 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 Westhead's enforcer here, right? Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. He brings the toughness, and that is a role that Pat Riley played when he was in the NBA. Like he he was not a skilled player. He was not a scorer. That was Jerry West, and mm -hmm. he's the guy setting picks and throwing elbows and doing the dirty work. And that's what he does in this episode. He you know he he talks tough to to Jerry. He gets the du he gets the double texts on the road to to get the team fired up. He throws oh. Paul Westhead oh, into the shower, and he bullies him and throws yells that. at him like, "You gonna be the coach of this team?" And he lights a fire. And it seems to work. It's almost like he's a good motivator and leader. So strange. Hmm. Who knew? We might have <laughs> a future in this thing. That kid, that Riley kid, he's got a future. 
we got a uh, we got Jack Nicholson on the sidelines talking yeah. to, to Paul Wesley. <laughs> Everybody's coaching. Yeah. Everybody has intensity except for Paul. Right. Uh, he's uh, what did Jerry call him? He said Hamlet's on the sideline looking for his fucking dick. <laughs> so yeah, Brilliant. yeah. And then we got we got Spencer Hayward calling him the Nutty Professor a little. Later, <laughs> yeah, right? that was yeah. great. Man. That was a great insult. <laughs> oh my god. Hold on. <laughs> Damn, we're on fire this episode. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the takes are too hot. <laughs> too much spice. Sorry about that, guys. He's on fire. <laughs> My girlfriend's cooking. Where were we? <laughs> 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 yeah. Um, All right. yeah, you, you know, domestic things. Domestic bliss, place. Jason. Domestic <laughs> bliss. Yes. B, what were you, you just said you you thought of something. Was that? No, you know, I, I, I thought that this episode lined up perfectly with the team, with the Lakers going to Boston, which was my favorite part of the entire episode was just the whole dynamic of this beautiful team going out to crazy Boston. And then we got Kyrie in real time right now mm-hmm. being in real fine life. in real yeah. life. <laughs> that could not have been more perfectly <laughs> lined yeah. up. Yeah, yeah it was perfect. It was perfect. Yeah. All we needed was... Was some white girl to flash her tits at Kyrie and say, like, <laughs> these belong to Daniel Tice. <laughs> Peyton Pritchard's tits. <laughs> but oh, I, I especially liked, I, it felt like they cooked up two extra special swear words. Yeah. It reminded me a little bit of, like, Anchorman when, uh, when you've got the, the Sex Panther cologne. And you've just got people screaming random shit that it smells like in the background. Like, yeah. it smells like Bigfoot's dick. That's, it <laughs> yeah. seemed like they were having a little fun with the ADR. On yeah. what could, what's the craziest insult a Boston fan could have for the Lakers? Yeah. One of my favorites was, suck my dick, magic. <laughs> <laughs> the woman screaming. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm surprised they didn't yell, like, give any, uh, any in- in bombs weren't really thrown like that yeah yeah it <laughs> seemed like that was you know a cre- that was the the woke 2022 angle on this right like they right. they wanted to come up with clever <laughs> swear words that you would not hear in boston in the 70s late 70s yeah. instead of the racism that you absolutely would hear absolutely would hear yeah like they didn't even give me a boy you, know, you like might even a, hear if you go right now to now, game it's a two, right? The Boston, <laughs> Brooklyn series. So, it but it was so weird that the only person that we got it from was Norm Nixon describing his, you know, experiences there, and it's like you know yeah. describing the Boston Garden and how disgusting it is, and how you you know hear the voice of like a leprechaun or whatever the fuck. But I like no, we need to hear someone from Boston say it because we all know it. It happens. It's yeah. definitely happening then. Yeah, no, I love I love Norm's whole small little moments in the episode where he's describing the, the garden and basically saying, you know, there's the leprechaun that follows you around. The ball sticks to the court. Like, random shit happens and you can't explain it. And then they get there and him and Cooper walking down those dirty-ass halls. A rat runs out and he's yeah. like, there's the fucking leprechaun. Mm-hmm. Like, so, no, that was great. And... Uh, Maze, we got some more basketball, live yeah. action basketball. This, this was episode. the most basketball I think in any episode. 
that yeah except yeah. for maybe uh except for maybe the first one that started the season but yeah like especially in one game this was the most basketball we got and i thought they did a pretty good job there's some cool shots yeah. i thought the guy that played larry bird actually shot like larry bird which was cool like they had the form down mm-hmm. one complaint all kareem does is dunk that's <laughs> not how it was no, <laughs> for sure no <laughs> It's but just easier to shoot that. Exactly. It's like, oh, well, what what can Solomon do? Solomon can can dunk it. Also, shout out to Solomon Hughes. He's a doctor, which I learned yeah. from the terrible post show. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't get to watch it this week. I didn't watch it this week. Uh, no. That's shame on me. Oh, um, I did watch it. I watched it. Mm-hmm. So I think you would like. I think you would like the trivia that they did in this featurette yeah. was. You have 24 seconds to name as many <laughs> L.A. neighborhoods as you can. Oh, yeah. I probably would have liked that, enjoyed that. Yeah. Um, but we got some more Kareem books, Kareem's readings. Mm-hmm. He's reading the yeah. Song of Solomon <laughs> <laughs> on the plane. <laughs> and then he also mentioned the Invisible Man, which yeah, is a great was... little joke yep. between him and Magic. <laughs> the namesake of the episode. That was That was the moment right there. When, yeah. When Magic's like, the movie? <laughs> he said, there's a book, too. But he said it in a way that wasn't like he wasn't being a dick to him, which I felt was cool, you know, because he yeah. could have easily, like. No, I what? took it as he was still being a dick. It's like, I'm going to be a dick here and there. Like, you're going to get it, but I'm going to be cool about it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm sorry. Real Kareem, I'm sorry, but this this show is funny. I'm, I'm sorry. I, I really laugh out loud when I watch this show. It's a good-ass show, man. They should really just stop hating on it. Like, they just got to get over that shit, honestly. So what do you think about Jerry West and, you know, he wants them to apologize? When it clearly says this is like, it's not all factual. I seen somebody tweet, that's exactly what the Jerry from the show would do. (laughs) 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 Which is a yeah, like, <laughs> yeah. That's all it needs to be yeah. said. The ma- I think the magic comments were the funniest. I mean, the the Kareem one, the Kareem one, like I read the whole Kareem thing before we got on this. He has this whole preamble where he's like, you know, I am, I'm taking this very objectively, and like it doesn't bother me, and you know, I'm just critiquing it for its artistic value and all this. And then he's like, I've never seen anything so despicable. It's like <laughs> the tone shifted so hard. But yeah. Magic was just like, no, nah, man, you, you don't get it. Like, there was the Forum Club, and there was Paula Abdul, and there were the Laker girls, and no one had ever seen it. And we were playing this basketball that Jack McKinney designed that no one had ever seen before. And Dr. Buss had his shirt unbuttoned all the way, and you couldn't possibly represent that. It's like, you are describing the show. The show. <laughs> this is exactly there. Every single good. thing you've mentioned, they've exactly. done. Exactly. Yeah. That's exactly it. But but that's magic though. You know, magic is he's a politician. He's gotta play the party line, you know. Do you identify as crypto curious? If you've thought about entering the world of cryptocurrency but felt a little overwhelmed, Coinbase makes learning to buy and sell simple. Cryptocurrency might feel like a secret exclusive club, but Coinbase believes that everyone everywhere should be able to get in the door. Whether you've been trading for years or just getting started, Coinbase can help. Coinbase offers a trusted and easy-to-use platform to buy, sell, and spend cryptocurrency. They support the most popular digital currencies on the market and make them accessible to everyone. 
They offer portfolio management and protection, learning resources, and a mobile app so you can trade securely and monitor your crypto all in one place. Millions of people in over 100 countries trust Coinbase with their digital assets. Whether you're looking to diversify, just getting started, or searching for a better way to access crypto markets, start today with Coinbase. And for a limited time, new users can get $10 in free Bitcoin when you sign up today at Coinbase.com B-O-M-M. Sign up at Coinbase.com B-O-M-M for $10 in free Bitcoin. This offers for a limited time only, so be sure to sign up today. That's Coinbase.com B-O-M-M. So should we talk about should we talk about the great white elephant in the room, the hick from French Lick himself, the the Darth Vader of this show, Mr. Larry Bird? Hell yeah. First I wanna say Bill Russell got human shit in his bed, even though he won eleven rings in Boston. Right. That's the yes. first bed shitting since Kendall in season two of succession. <laughs> no, have you seen um the Joaquin Phoenix movie, the documentary, I'm still here? I know what it is. I don't think I ever saw it. Oh man, the one um, it be, it's the one where he grew out this crazy beard and he uh, he said he tries he to become a rapper and rap. Yeah, you never seen it, B? No, what? Oh wow, um, yeah, it's it's crazy. It's a crazy ass movie, but there's a bed shitting incident in the movie. I don't want to give it away, but yeah, uh, please go watch that. It's it's fucking wild. Casey Affleck is the director. Um, okay. Yeah, there's also cocaine usage. Uh, that's not fake. Um, oh. <laughs> but speaking of that white, uh, Larry Bird, <laughs> one of the all-time great whites. Yeah, he was ready for for the smoke from Magic. Larry Bird. So let's see. Larry Bird here. He he does the perfect counter to Magic. Right? There's there's Magic getting pissed off on the way to the airport because all they're doing is asking him Larry Bird questions, and he says, "Yeah." You keep asking me about him. Why don't you ask him about me? Like, I'm magic. I'm doing my own thing. And then it gets only worse when he gets to Boston and the press conference is all about Larry and he's just sitting there smiling. And the best part is that Larry's a huge dick the whole time. (laughs) It doesn't matter. And then magic's, you know, talking to Kareem about it. He's like, they don't like me. They don't want to like me. And it doesn't matter what he does. They love him. And, and Kareem says, well, let's go beat his ass. Yeah. <laughs> That'll solve it. That's it. That's a, that's what you got to do. Go beat him. Go win. Shut the shit up. Right. And Jerry is letting the other Jerry know, Dr. Buss know, that they got to win this game or else they're not going to be able to get the stink off. It's a new era. And the first win is everything. And Jerry ends up sitting in the fucking rafters. Yeah. The red hour back power move. <laughs> yeah, which was crazy. What it, What was that that he gave him? What was in there? A mushroom? What the fuck was that? No. So the guy was like, um, he gave you a vegetable, just like your coach. Like your coach, which was foul as fuck. But what vegetable was oh, that? No. What was... I thought that was like a big ass beet. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. I was like, is that a mushroom or a beet or something? A beet or like a radish, maybe. Maybe it was a radish. Right. Maybe it was a radish. But yeah, yeah, that that was that was you know Yuck. the gamesmanship. But of course, I love the idea that these men in their sixties or red red's probably even older than that can see that far. Yeah, right, dude. 
They're just like making eye contact, like, yeah, what's up, bro? I see you. It's like he put him in the highest seat and you're on the court. That's not how that works at all, but all right. Right. But Dr. Bus still got the best of him in Boston. And uh, I guess Paul has a job for now. Yeah. Yep. I mean, they lost. They lost the two games before that, which, I, you know, in terms of storytelling, it's like, okay, so you go 0-2 to start the road trip, but then you win by, on a buzzer beater, and then you're like, we did it! Like, <laughs> we're the best! But, you know, they're trying to create drama here. I get it. I I did like the monologue that Jerry West gave to Dr. Bust when he was saying that it's all it's all about the first impression essentially with the Celtics and like once they lost that first game that always was in their head and they were always aware of that and and that like making this first impression taking this first step forward with this new era with magic and everything was going to be really important obviously that's a little hindsight as 2020 but I did like that idea Right. And that win did so much for Jerry West, who was being tortured in the limousine <laughs> with yeah. his limo driver being a huge Boston fan. And fucking call it. Give him the finger in the rearview mirror was just. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to Coop for hitting yeah, the game like winner. Too. He's too superstitious. Yeah. Shout out to Coop. He's, but Jerry West is too superstitious to even set foot in there, which I can understand. You know, a lot of bad memories in that place. Yeah, yeah even good. though he's white. <laughs> <laughs> even though, no, nah, he's a Laker man. He's a Laker first. But yeah, no, nah, it was a, it was a great episode, man. Fuck Boston was the what got Paul the team on his side after Pat, you know, goes off on the ref and tell him he was screwing his wife last night. Paul finally finds something non Shakespearean to say and it pulls the team together and it's fuck Boston. Very simply put. Yeah, and he and Spencer Haywood get their water under the bridge. You know, there's been that unnecessary beef since Spencer showed up, essentially. But, yeah, it, yeah, it reminded me of, like, <laughs> Mighty Ducks, too, when you got the Bash Brothers. It's <laughs> like you got Pat getting double-tacked and thrown out of the game. Then you got Spencer Haywood setting hard picks and throwing elbows. And all of a sudden, you get momentum back, and you're not playing scared anymore. Yeah, that's that's pretty true to sports. Yeah, and so I like that. Right? Yeah, not no. I just like the whole arc with Paul finally figuring out how to be a coach, you know, and Pat pushing him to that point. Pat told Paul, "You're the sixth man on the court." Right, and in right. A sense, which is huge. You know, yeah, and Pat ended up coaching his sixth man to get him right. more, you know, hyped up and intense out there. Yeah, I like how and that so, played out. And so when he when he pushed him down in the shower and he was like, "Stand up for your fucking team." Like, you know, I felt like that was the awakening. Like, it was almost like a baptism for Paul Westhead to, to be a coach right there. <laughs> yeah. That yeah. also reminded me of I Love You, Man, because he's just trying to get him to yell, which is exactly what Paul Rudd or <laughs> yeah. Jason Siegel does to Paul does. Rudd <laughs> under, the, yeah. under the boardwalk. He's like, just scream at the top of your lungs, man. Yeah. Too repressed. Yeah, so he brought it out of him, um, which was great. And I also liked the little part in the – um, Spencer Haywood uh, situation scenario when he calls him the Nutty Professor and Pat tells him like these aren't college kids and I feel like in coaching like there's a very big distinction between coaches who coach kids and coach people in college versus coaching men and coaching professional athletes and like some guys yeah. can some guys can't 
You know, I asked my ex, would he ever like consider coaching either college or, or in the pros? And he was like, I would never do the pros because these it's so hard to earn respect because they're getting paid so much money to just really kind of do their own thing. It's too many, you know, egos. But with the college kids, they, they have a goal, a specific goal that they're trying to reach. They're trying to go pro. And it's easier to, you know, to, to coach people who have something that they're reaching for when a lot of guys in the pros is like this, is, I made my goal. Now I'm just trying to make money and win mm-hmm. a championship. Yep. That's a big part of the game. Coaching yeah. the big boys. Yeah. Paul, Paul's finally figuring it out. And maybe in a month or two, Jack will be back. Who knows? <laughs> we well, that's see. really optimistic. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's kind of what the, that's kind of how Jerry left him too. Jerry didn't give him that much reassurance when he left the hospital. Like True. he was like, you know, okay, shit. If you say so, motherfucker. Basically, was how he left him. So yeah, we got three episodes left on this season. Next week, looks like we're getting a little All Star Game action. Magic and Larry coming back together. That should be fun. We get a little more David Stern in the yeah. mix, perhaps, with that mustache. <laughs> and then, as we were wondering earlier on, would we see a dramatic interpretation of Dr. J? It looks like we will. We're yes. getting Julius himself gracing the screen. So, looking lots to look forward to there. But it is going to be kind of a furious push here because if they're – they just got through Christmas, <laughs> which, as we all know, is when the NBA season really starts. It starts, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there was that line, right, where someone was like, who watches basketball on Christmas? Oh, on Christmas. Uh-huh. That was Pat. Pat. That was Pat Riley. Pat Riley yeah. said it. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, was, that was another laugh out loud moment, like, ho, oh, oh, just yeah. you wait. <laughs> so I, I'm expecting quite a few winning time montages between now and episode 10, but that is not the name of our podcast. Our podcast is called Showtime, which is <laughs> on the show Winning Time, which is based on the book Showtime, which airs every Sunday on HBO, not Showtime. <laughs> For Bethany Anderson, Jason Madison, I'm Anthony Mays, and we'll see you next week. Peace. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. 
Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, of values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live. Our kids have said to us since we've moved to Minnesota, we are far more active than we've ever been anywhere else we've ever lived. Moving to Minnesota opened up a lot of doors for us. Just this overall sense of community, the values that, you know, Minnesotans have. It's a real accepting, loving community, especially with two young kids. See why CNBC ranks Minnesota number four best state to live and work. A great place to work, an even better place to live. ExploreMinnesota.com slash live.